Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber. The co-founder and co-CEO of Established, co-founder of Established Ventures, and the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thank you again for being here. Cannot believe we're on episode 68. Anyway, I wanted to talk to you today about um, an old friend that's come to visit us and share some updates. Um, On this episode, I'm going to be talking to Lisa Besserman, who's the uh, founder of Startup Buenos Aires. She's actually been written about quite a bit and was named one of Business Insider's top 100 most influential women in tech. She's also um, been named Business Innovator of Latin America by the Council of Americas. She is currently the Managing Director of Expo VC, uh, their accelerator, which they just launched. And Expo VC is a $350 million venture fund investing in pre-seed and Series A startups. It was founded by Uber co-founder Garrett Camp. He's also the founder of StumbleUpon. And uh, they've been churning out startups and they've got this new model around accelerating them. So exciting to hear more about that and uh, learn more about her career as both an entrepreneur and an investor shortly. But before we jump into that interview, I want to talk a little bit more about our mission here at Startup of the Year. Uh, For those who are not familiar, we've been helping startups for over a decade here, and uh, we really want to help you all along your startup journey. And we do it through programs and resources and various events that help educate and build relationships. So if you're you know, out there and you're feeling alone, we're going to try to help create opportunity for you through these different uh, different uh, components. We also offer opportunities to celebrate because we know that the journey of creating a startup just from our own experience as well as others is hard and long and you've got to kind of continue to have those celebratory moments to keep you going along the way. And so we do that through our Startup of the Year awards, which happen at the end of the year. And uh, we're getting to that point where we're actually starting to uh, get those going. So if you're interested in being part of those awards this year, uh, we're going to have you qualify uh, by just filling out a form. You just have to go and apply to be a part of our community. Now, you already might be a part of our community uh, if you fill out this form before. So if you have, um, you might already be ready for this. But either way, go to SOTY.link forward slash apply, SOTY.link forward slash apply. And then what we'll do is we'll go out and we'll look for the companies that have fit this criteria for our 2021 Startup of the Year awards. And what those criteria include is You've raised less than $5 million in funding. You've got an actual functional prototype out there. And you're from kind of a, uh, you've got a kind of a trajectory of, of growth. And so what we'll do then is we'll invite the top 100 startups to, that apply uh, to this year to be actually come to our summit. And our summit's going to include some opportunities to connect further, showcase, and somebody, one company is going to take home the title of Startup of the Year. And we're excited about that. So it'll be in person this year. We're excited to have it bring people back together. Uh, after a little bit of a break there, and uh, we'll be sharing more details about that soon. So get your applications in, SOTY.link, L-I-N-K, forward slash apply. And, uh, or you can just go to startupoftheyear.com and look for our application. All right, now let's catch up with Lisa Besserman of Expo VC. All right, hello, Lisa. Welcome. So, so great to see you. It's been so long. Uh, feels like, a, a, you know, years ago, we saw each other at South by Southwest, and here we are again and haven't been back since. So hope you're doing well. Yeah, great to see you, Frank. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. All right. So just to kind of level set and get everybody up to speed, can you share a little bit of your background 
and how you got to where you are at Expo today. Sure. So um, studied international business, lived abroad in Japan for a few years, came back to the States and then got my first intro into the wonderful world of startups. Um, back in New York City, I worked for my first startup. It was a mobile app development company, venture backed. Uh, I ran product operations and fell in love with startups right away. I knew this was the area I wanted to spend the rest of my career. Um, so worked in startups for quite a few years and then um, you know, that New York winter got a little, a little treacherous. And so I asked to work remotely just for a few months to avoid the New York winter. And this was back in 2012. So this was before the whole sexy digital nomad culture existed. And, and I think the tools we had at the time for communication was, this is going to date myself, but like AIM and uh, it's like America online, like chat. And well, I, uh, I worked on that. That was my last product today. Oh, well, so very well, familiar. You. That was my, yeah. I was a product lead on it or worked on some of the products, social products, uh, live stream was actually last thing. Uh, well, on. So, yeah, very familiar with that product. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, we, we, uh, it's it, looking back, it's hilarious to think that that's how we communicated. And, and those were the only tools available. We didn't have Slack. We didn't have WhatsApp. We didn't have, you know, any of the tools that, that we use today that make our lives so much easier. So, um, I went remote, um, for just a couple months. The plan was to avoid the New York winter and then come back, go somewhere warm. I looked at a map. Wanted to be in a similar time zone for work, of course. Wanted to be somewhere warm. Came up with Buenos Aires, Argentina. Didn't speak a word of Spanish, didn't know anybody. Packed a suitcase and a laptop. Went down to Buenos Aires. Fell in love with the city. Uh, saw an incredible opportunity to work with entrepreneurs and startups. It was just a very robust uh, ecosystem, but it was very fragmented and under-resourced. And so through that experience, I came up with the idea to, to create Startup Buenos Aires, which became a, an early stage startup accelerator, providing free tools, resources, support, community, um, and then access to financial capital uh, to, to founders uh, throughout Latin America, primarily in Argentina. Uh, did that for about five years, and then I was very fortunate that I had an exit, uh, worked very closely with the government to transition Startup Buenos Aires into a public incubator program, uh, very similar to Startup Chile, so they were providing equity-free grants to startups uh, over a wide range of verticals, along with uh, an educational and community component as well. Did that for a little bit, and then decided it was ready to move back to the States, um, came to Austin, and knew I wanted to stay in the incubator, accelerator, VC space, loved working with startups, loved the innovation angle, loved learning. And so I was very fortunate to get a job at Indeed and I ran their, um, their corporate incubator program. So that was much different. It was internal product accelerator, similar to a venture studio where we built everything in-house, had a dedicated team of product managers, engineers, salespeople, program managers, UX designers, et cetera. And so we built a lot of new product development um, for Indeed, for the corporation. I did that for a few years, absolutely loved it, loved my team, it was great to learn on the corporate side. And then I was very fortunate that uh, the good folks at Expa, um, Expa Venture Capital, they came out to me and they had mentioned that they were uh, looking to build a pre-seed program. They wanted to create more of an accelerator model so we could so it could be very hands-on, work very closely with founders, provide that financial financial capital as well as that tr strategic support. And they were looking for someone to build the program and run it. And, and they came to me and um, without a doubt, I said, absolutely, I would love to get back into the startup space, would love to work with founders again. And just the partners and, and the leadership at Expo was just, you know, they're all builders and operators and, and incredible entrepreneurs or, or previous entrepreneurs. And um, just being in that environment was very exciting to me. And so um, for the past six months, I have been the managing director at Expo. All right. So tell me a little bit more about Expo and how is it different from other uh, venture capital firms? 
Sure. So Expo was built, Garrett Camp, the founder uh, of Expo, also co-founder of Uber and, and founder of StumbleUpon, he essentially built Expo to be what he wished existed when he was building Uber. So a VC firm that is very founder first in terms of their principles, very hands-on in terms of strategic support. Um, and he recognizes there's more to investment than just the, the financial capital component. It's also about being a strategic partner, a creative partner, um, someone you can count on and work with to help your, your startup scale. And so just the ethos behind Expa is is very different than traditional venture um, venture firms. Um, in addition to that, the way that we operate is is different as well. We have three pillars. So we have um, Expa Studio, which is more of an internal incubator studio where we build um, new companies in house. It's a you know, venture studio model. Then we have the Expa Accelerator, which is our pre seed program where we invest. Um, either $250,000 for 7% or $400,000 for 10% for early stage startups. Um, but addition to the, the financial um, investment, we also work very, very closely with the founders. So we help them with product road mapping, user interviews, um, you know, raising additional funds, um, hiring, et cetera. So we're very hands-on in, in, in that component, um, also very small. So that's one of the differences of the way that we're operating Expo Accelerator is we're being very intentional about the size of the cohorts. So we're not cohort or curriculum based. Uh, what we're doing is creating um, an accelerator model that is different from any out there in terms of just we're providing this additional support. We're keeping the cohorts small. It's not time-based. We understand that everybody has different time um, you know, requirements and uh, timelines. And so what we're doing is keeping the applications open and rolling. So, um, you know, anybody can apply anywhere in the world at any time, and they can have access to the resources we have in house, um, you know, that product support, that hiring support, access to our partners, access to our network and our community. Um, so we're, we're quite different in that regard, where we're, we're intentionally small and, um, you know, making bigger bets um, for a smaller amount of startups that we work with. And then the last pillar is our uh, traditional venture arm. And that's where we invest in any in seed to series A. Very cool. And a lot, a lot there. So let me, let me, um, let me unpack it a little bit here and ask, ask some follow-up questions. So first being um, around the accelerator, that's really interesting. It's a, um, a different model. Are you, you just started that, right? So when did this, when did it kick off? Sure. So we had our launch in July. So it's just a few months old um, where, you know, we've invested at this point in five really amazing startups and we're taking a very hands-on approach to the way that we help them accelerate their, their businesses. And um, we're agnostic. So it's all different sectors, all different verticals. Um, for us, it's really about, do we believe in the team? Do we believe in the space? And do we believe that we can add value in some way? Right. And it's it's also um, geographically diverse as well. Right. So you don't have to all be in Austin or San Francisco or whatever. Right. You can kind of be wherever. Exactly. Yeah. We are we are a completely remote program at mm -hmm. this point. Um, so mm -hmm. Expo generally invests in North America, South America and Europe. So so we are remaining global. Um, I, you know, I'd love to meet people in, in IRL, um, but, you know, given, given the current mm -hmm. climate, it's a bit difficult. So yeah, we are keeping it open and remote because we recognize that talent is everywhere. Human capital is borderless and we want everyone to have an opportunity to have access to that funding and those resources and that support in order to help their startup scale. Oh, really interesting. And, and obviously we had a little glimmer of hope there at the beginning of the year and now it seems like it closed, but hopefully it'll open again and you can start meeting in real life again. That'll be, yeah. that'd be great. I mean, the, 
good thing that came out of all of this is just the way that we're approaching venture capital, whereas, you know, historically you had to be in one of the tier one major cities in order to have access to, to that funding. Whereas now the, the game and the landscape has changed completely. Anybody can be anywhere. Teams can be built anywhere. Teams can be remote. Founders can, you know, gain access to that VC financing wherever they are in the world. And I think that is one benefit to what's happened over the past couple of years with COVID and, and us going from, you know, in, in person to, to remote. I think that's definitely one of the benefits is it's democratized funding opportunities for founders everywhere. Absolutely. I'm curious what you're looking for in companies. You mentioned a few things, but you know, you often hear like team traction, timing, that kind of stuff. Um, what, what do you guys look for when you're trying to find companies for the accelerator? The first thing that we'll say is it's always the team. Uh, you know, for us, we're not investing in products, we're investing in people. And we recognize that products change, companies pivot, um, but what we really need to do is get behind the team. And one of the things I say in every interview to all of the, the entrepreneurs I work with as well, whenever I do advising, is to fall in love with the problem, not the solution. So when we're deciding whether to invest or not, of course, we're looking at the team, how strong they are, how coachable they are, uh, but we're also looking at the problem space. So do we believe that this is a pain point for enough people in order to build um, a solution for that? And so for us, it's, you know, it's, it's always the people, um, but also we want to just make sure that the problem space is big enough and that we believe, um, in addition to all of that, that we can add value. So it's not just about, is this a good investment area? Is this a good team? It's also, can Expa help move the needle for this team? Can we leverage our resources, our network, our subject matter expertise to help this company get to the next level? And if the answer is yes, then we're happy to invest. If it's no, um, then, you know, we'll have to pass, but we also have a lot of friends in, in the industry. So it's very frequent if we do pass on a team, but we believe in the team, we believe in what they're building. We believe in the product space. We just don't feel that we could add the value. We'll pass it along to, to our friends in the venture space and try and help that founder get that funding. That's interesting. Yeah. It's not, it's not you, it's us, right? That's what it sounds like. Um, it doesn't quite fit. Then I'm glad that you're, you're helpful in sharing that with others. Um, all right. So that's really interesting. And um, so you said you've got five companies. Can you, are there any kind of like trends there with the five you already invested in that you could share? Or is it too early to kind of see that? Well, I mean, one of the things that I guess we can say is the trend is that all of them have incredible, tenacious founders. Everyone comes mm -hmm. from a different space. Um, you know, there's no overlap. There's no competition within the portfolio. It's all very different spaces. Like we have uh, one startup that's um, building a mental health app for Gen Z women. Uh, mm -hmm. There's another startup that's um, revolutionizing the way that we um, have meetings and helping managers um, improve the way that they work with their employees. We have another one that's doing asset tracking um, for uh, large equipment. So it's you'll see it's it's quite a hodgepodge, you know, between deep tech and mental health and HR um, and just uh, SaaS products. So it, it's quite uh, you know a, a diverse portfolio. But one thing, one thread that's in common is all of the founders are truly incredible, tenacious people that we're taking a bet on. And um, you know our acceptance rate is at less than one percent. Um, so for, you know, we, we take a, a, a very strong approach to the, to the companies we want to invest in because we know we're going to deploy so many resources are on our end. We want to ensure that both sides are, um, you know, receiving the most amount of value to be a part of the portfolio. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm also curious, um, well, actually, so even it's, it's kind of, end, it's, it's, it doesn't have an end, end, end point, right? There's no demo day, right? So it's a unique 
set up for these these companies. What does that look like for a company? I guess walk me through it. Like if you just added a new company, what do you kind of have them do, and how does it differ from kind of the classic um, accelerator model that you've seen? You know, both YC and TechStars kind of master. Yeah. So one thing that we recognize is we didn't want a one size fits all program. We didn't want to be, you know, too curriculum or time based. We recognize that everyone is at different stages in their career. Every startup is different. Every sector is different and their needs are different. So what we wanted to do is create a program that's truly custom to the founder and truly bespoke um, and creating this, you know, very specialized experience for the founder. And so when we onboard, you know, as I mentioned, the applications are rolling. When we onboard a new founder into the program, you know, we give them an onboarding session. We work with them to create a product roadmap. Um, we put together like a 90 and 180 day plan, set them up with a regular meeting cadence with our team and then the sponsoring partner. So they're always having access to Expa, our resources and our expertise. And so we'll do that for as long as we need to. Uh, we generally say up to about a year, but once you're in the Expa family, you're in the Expa family. Like we have a, a startup that that joined the first iteration of Labs in 2017, and they're still working out of our New York office. Um, so we work very, very closely as well as we, because we have that venture arm, we do we do frequently do follow on funding. So, um, you know, once you're an Expa, you're an Expa. And, um, you know, we basically say you're in the program for as long as you need to be. Whenever you're ready to raise the next round, we'll support you and get you to that stage. We, we don't do a demo day in like the traditional sense where you're sharing a stage with other founders and you have, you know, five minutes to pitch to a room full of investors. What we do is we're staying true to that custom and bespoke experience where we're working with the founders, providing that pitch support, providing that, um, fundraising strategy, but then also doing warm introductions to uh, investors that they might be interested in working with. And so we very frequently co-invest with other tier one in investment firms like Sequoia, A16Z, First Round, et cetera. And so it enables us to be able to make these warm introductions and help the founders in our portfolio and the startups in our portfolio get ready to raise the next round in a way that's intentional and specialized um, and custom to um, help them get to the next level. And then I assume, well, maybe this is a false assumption that you also then have, you know, the venture arm as well, which could potentially invest in the accelerator companies too, or is it, is it all kind of one bucket? Uh, well, we have the, yeah, we have our, it, it's all under the same fund, but we do okay. have the ability to follow on, uh, invest after they graduate from the accelerator program okay. and move on to their seed stage or series A stage. Right. So there could be more after that that initial investment uh, through y'all. That's great. All right. So let's switch gears and talk about those two other arms of, of Expa. Uh, I'm familiar with them uh, from when it gets, first got started. And I just, I love, um, so Garrett, I've known for a while and I just know he's a collector of amazing domains, uh, domain yeah. names. And so yeah. I know I, you look at the Expo website and you can see the studio really, that really screams, you know, amazing domain names. <laughs> so look at some of the names of the companies and the domains that they have. Um, they probably, some of them probably came from Garrett's personal stash. I'm curious, curious if that's something you all do from a strategy perspective with some of these startups as well, or if that's just part of the studio. Well, it's, it's, it's part of the studio. Uh, essentially, you know, it's not just about working around a domain name. It's about understanding a problem space and finding out, you know, where our, our area of expertise is, where the partners are interested or bullish in and what they want to build. And then um, we'll be able to leverage the resources we have in-house to, to ensure that we can build successful companies in the studio model. That makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So how does the studio model work or differ from, I guess, the other component, the accelerator? Talk us through that. 
Yeah, so the studio model, it's um, it's internal. So it is um, leveraging our internal resources. So our EIRs or our partners are the ones that are building the um, the venture studio companies. So it's not it's not as though it's an open application form for for um, for other people to apply to. It's mostly just our internal network, founders we've worked with, um, founders that have potentially exited. Um, and then we deploy our own in-house resources to build those companies. So we're very involved. Um, you know, it's not it's not as though we're investing in a founder. We're especially investing in an idea that comes from Expa, and then deploying those resources to build out that company. Right. Exactly. And one that you know, I, I know pretty well is Human Radfar. He's started uh, a new one that just spun out right recently or fairly recently. Collective. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. Human is one of one of the most talented entrepreneurs I've ever met in my life. But more importantly than that, he is just an all-around good guy. Yeah, um, he is. yeah, he's just he's just incredible. So he'd be an example. He was I know he was part of it like as a partner for a while and then he, you know, was helping companies and building things and then he spun this one out and he's taking it on full time. Yeah, now it is a, a full-blown company. I believe they just raised a Series A of about 20 million dollars. This is collective. Yep. That's right. Excellent. He's off to the races. Uh, all right. So uh, let's talk about the other, the other arm, then venture, the venture arm. Um, how does that work? Who runs it? What are you looking for? And um, what would startups listening need to know about it? Sure. So um, that is our, it's a, that's more of a traditional venture fund. Um, so, you know, our partners, like we're all one family, so we all work very closely together. Um, so our partners oversee that. We have principals in that group, um, also agnostic, also anywhere from seed to series A. Generally, the check size is between one and three million. And we also help um, the founders work with resources, provide them support, um, not as hands-on at that stage as it is at the accelerator stage, um, but we are a very um, hands-on and strategic investor. Um, and we also do frequently co-invest with, with other firms at that stage. Okay, great, excellent. And one note around Human, I just remembered while you were talking was that he actually is alumni to start the year. He came through years and years ago in DC as ClearSpring. And I mentioned meant to mention that, but I was already thinking about the next question. So it's uh, worth noting. He's been doing this for a while. It started back in like 08 or so and has, has done pretty well. So love watching his journey. And we obviously are cheering for him here at start of the year. Yeah. All right. So let's add, you know, something that, that actually brings up a great transition into another thing I want to talk to you about, which was community, your background. You, you know, you shared some of your background earlier, and one of the things you you did was you went to Buenos Aires and started something to help build that entrepreneurial community there, um, without even knowing it, right? Like you just kind of just did it, and so I'd love to hear that story and your kind of background of community because you are true, with, you know, at the heart of this, a community builder as well, and those are really uh, important um, strengths, I'd say, for what you're doing now, and you know. Product, you know, it's turned into something that's turned into a hot topic with product development. You know, everyone needs to have build a community and whatnot. And there's a lot of trendiness around that. So I just would love to get get your take on, um, you know, that. Tell us a little bit more about that story, I guess, and how you got that started, and then we can kind of dive into that kind of trend. Sure. Yeah, this was back in 2012 when I when I arrived to Buenos Aires, and this so this is before community was a hot topic. This is before there were buzzwords. This is before even the word accelerator was as ubiquitous as it is today. Uh, and so I basically just got down to Buenos Aires. I didn't know anybody, didn't speak a word of Spanish. And I was pretty involved in the New York tech community and startup community. We were just starting to you know, become Silicon Alley. So it was just starting to become a bit mature. And I just loved the community element of 
being in the startup space. It's people rallying behind a shared vision or a shared mission with shared interests and helping each other. Like the, the ethos of startup communities is to give more than you receive and pay it forward. And I, I just loved that. And when I arrived to Buenos Aires, I was surprised to see and meet more entrepreneurs than I had ever met in my entire life. So much tech talent, so much human capital, but no resources and a very fragmented community. So there was activities, there were things happening, uh, but it was just very fragmented and, and challenging to navigate. And one of the things I recognized was that there was no centralized hub for all of this activity. And that's essentially where the idea of Startup Buenos Aires was born. It was meant to be, it was very, very simplistic and altruistic in nature. It was meant to be just a place where founders and startup enthusiasts could connect and work with one another and help each other and build this centralized community that was easy to navigate for both foreigners and locals um, and as just as a way to build a more robust and connected startup community and then through that be able to bring in more resources from around the world so when you know google was was hosting a pitch competition they would frequently skip over argentina because it was a very challenging place to navigate um, same with you know when when facebook was starting or microsoft or we work it was just while Argentina had all of the elements, it was a very, very challenging place to set up shop, to navigate. And so what we wanted to do was build a community, a place where people could go regardless of where they were in their careers or where they were in their stages, um, a place where they can meet other enthusiasts and people like themselves and find resources and get resources. And so originally it was just meant to be like a founder's network, um, free, there was no business model, you know, no long-term plans to, to create any sort of a company out of this. It was really truly just altruistic in nature. And so we built this community and it was, it, the people got behind it. You know, people say it, it takes a village and, and really it did take a village. It took an incredibly dedicated team of volunteers who understood what the vision and, and the mission of Startup Buenos Aires was um, as a way to connect people and, um, you know, create strength together. And so that's what we did. And, and we built this, we created a lot of strategic partnerships, uh, we provided resources, and then more and more people wanted to get involved. And, then, and essentially, it evolved to become a startup accelerator. That was never the plan. There was never a model behind it. It was really just meant to be a community. And, um, you know, there's, there's so much success that I equate Startup Buenos Aires to because it was a community in nature. I was not asking for anything in return. I just wanted people to connect with one another, help each other out, and then build this startup ecosystem where we can start funneling in resources and support. Right. And I can, you know, that's a startup success for you as well. I mean, you, you went down there and started this thing and, you know, I don't know what your situation was at the time, but it, um, you know, you started this thing and it had legs and you went with it. <laughs> so I think that's, that takes some, some, uh, strength and bravery. So I give you a lot of credit for that as well. Um, and I think it also took a lot of naivete and hubris. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know that too, but you know, that's yeah, part of the but, journey, right? No, that's, that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur. You know, you need oh, to have right. a little, you know, a little naivete and ego and hubris in order to push it through. And, and you need a lot of tenacity. And that yeah. was something I definitely um, absorbed from the Argentina community. It was mm -hmm. you know, this, this, this amount of resiliency or this um, this DNA of resiliency that Argentines had um, was just absolutely inspiring and incredible. And so I was able to learn from them and take that and then build this organization 
in a place that I knew nothing about. I had no business being there, but I truly, I just wanted to help people. I just wanted to build this community. And from that, I was really fortunate that uh, a robust organization came from that. And surprisingly, an exit came from that. And it, yep. I mean, it changed the trajectory of my entire life. And so I'm forever grateful for the people of, of Argentina for, for that opportunity. Absolutely. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. And so from there, then you, you obviously came back to the US and worked with Indeed a little bit. And that's where I think I last saw you. And then obviously jumped over to Expo. Um, but we're almost out of time. So I wanted to, to kind of end with a little bit of a, an opportunity for you to share what you're kind of working on, what, what what's kind of top of mind for you, and maybe share some of those details of how people might be able to get in contact with you if they want to, you know, apply for Expo or have you question for about it or whatever, you know, share a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, so I am really just honored to be a part of Expa. It is a company, it's a venture firm of, of builders and operators and founders. And so the way that we invest is, is different than, than any other VC firm. And the way that we invest and work with early stage startups is different than any other accelerator. So I'm just very fortunate and grateful to be a part of that and to be able to work with founders who are talented, who are solving big challenges and problems and who who love what they're building. And so, um, for me, it's it's really about building out this accelerator program, working with more founders, providing more resources, especially to underrepresented founders. Because because I was you know being a female founder, females only get about two percent of venture funding. Um, you know, I was I was an expat in a foreign country as well, so I have that immigrant mindset in you know when I was living in Buenos Aires. So for me, I think it's all about providing a spotlight as well and opportunities to underrepresented founders. So I want to welcome anybody who feels underrepresented. Um, to, to apply to the program, anybody who has a problem that they're truly passionate about and a team that gets behind the, pro the problem um, and they can uh, feel free to apply to Expa and we'd love to have you in the program. Uh, and we're just essentially scaling out the program to be what we think is most valuable for founders and founders are the, one that, the ones that are shaping the program. So the more that we understand of what founders need and how we can provide those resources, um, the better the program becomes. So true, people are truly a part of, of um, creating the, the accelerator program. Um, so for us, it's not just about being a financial partner. It's also about being a strategic partner as well. So anybody that's interested in, in pre-seed funding, I welcome you to apply. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to check out expa.com. And um, yeah, we'd love to have you. All right. Thanks so much, Lisa. I really appreciate you sharing your time here and uh, sharing your stories with our listeners. I love talking to you and it's been great to catch up. And I hope our, our uh, listeners here enjoyed the episode and were able to take something interesting from the conversation. I certainly did. And uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please do share it um, because we, we believe in sharing and we want to help more people and sharing is caring. So please do share this episode with others. And if you'd like to drop us a review out on uh, Apple or wherever you're listening, please do that as well. We appreciate all the feedback. All right. So finally, before we get going, I wanted to spread the word about another company that we've, we've talked about before, but is doing great work within our community. That company is TaxTaker. TaxTaker helps tech founders across the country get billions of dollars back from Uncle Sam every year for working on their startups. Pretty incredible, right? So the research and development uh, tax credit is available for any tech startup that's developing products or technology, and you don't have to be profitable yet to qualify. So our friends over at TaxTaker are making it easy for founders to get savings um, that they're due based on just um, some simple information. So it's totally free. All you have to do is sign up and see if you qualify. So to go to taxtaker.com forward slash S-O-T-Y. Again, it's taxtaker.com forward slash S-O-T-Y. And um, do this before you file your taxes this year. 
And, uh, you know, because you could actually be leaving money on the table and TaxSeeker.com will help you figure that out. So check it out, TaxSeeker.com forward slash S-O-T-Y, and uh, hopefully they can help you out. We love the work they're doing. All right. And if you have a startup idea and you want to get it going, today is the best day to start up, not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going. Iterate. We have a community out there to help you, you know, support you and continue to build this out. So um, please do join our community at SOTY.link forward slash apply as we look to help elevate your startup and continue to cheer you on along the way. All right. That's all for this week. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Thanks again for listening and wishing you the best of luck and future success in all of your ventures. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon. 